So we keep on keeping on. Hey, little humans. I'm Norma Jean, and welcome to Stay Wild, the podcast about how to keep your quirks in the wondrous world. This is episode number 25, and today we're talking to Sydney Weiss, who's a lawyer, podcaster, and seeker of the joy. I found Sid on the gram. We are Insta friends, Instagram besties. I am just, she's my newest friend crush. And she comes on the show today and talks about her journey in terms of seeking the joy, creating a community around that, and her podcast, Seek the Joy. Today's episode is brought to you by me, Norma Jean singer, songwriter, doodler, extraordinaire, creative empowerment, workshop holder, and host, co-host of Camp Clarity, an amazing retreat in Bali, April 29th to May 5th. If you can come, it's a women's retreat, seven amazing days in the jungle, authentic Balinese experiences, dance classes, sound healing, meditation. It's just going to be incredible. To find out more, check out Camp Clarity at www.joincampclarity.com. As usual, if you're liking the show, please write us a review in the iTunes Apple Podcast Store. It helps everyone find the show and helps them stay wild as well. So let's get to sit in the show. Hello, little humans. I am here today with Sydney Wise. Hello! Hi, Sydney. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me on Stay Wild. Welcome to Stay Wild. Sydney is a lawyer, podcaster, and seeker of the joy. Welcome to the show. Oh my gosh. Okay, so first, I want to talk a little bit about seeking the joy. Okay, what do you want to talk about? Like the whole thing? Like yeah, where it started? I talk about, yeah, I want to talk about what it is first. So Seek the Joy is a podcast, and tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. Okay. So Seek the Joy is a podcast that I started back in October of 2017. And it was really inspired by, I guess, my own journey and struggle to seek joy. Um, I'm I'm a lawyer. So my life has been very academically focused and intense. And there were just so many years of my life where there was no fun there was no joy it was <laughs> no fun like no literally fun. None. You, none of literally the fun. none <laughs> I used to tell people my life was dictated by my alarm clock so mm. you wake up in the morning you get dressed you have coffee and in my case back in the day I was drinking like six to eight cups of coffee a day I, I and I've been there you know you go to school you study you go to work you come home you go to sleep and you do the same thing over and over and over again and it was um, not a good time, to say the least, right? And very stressful. And so when I was coming up on the second time um, that I sat for the California bar exam, and I went through a whole metamorphosis during that period anyway, but when I was done the second time, I, I was like, okay, what am I going to do next? I have this period of time before I find out if I'm a lawyer or not, or if I'm going to have to study again. And I really wanted to do something different where I was expressing who I was, um, doing something creative because my life has not been creative at all. And I, was, I wanted a way to connect with other people. And I was sitting in my room and it dawned on me, let's start a podcast. And then, you know, you go through this whole process of, well, what the hell is the podcast going to be about? And I came across this bracelet that was sitting on my dresser. And it's a bracelet that I made um, 
I guess it must be in 2015. And it's a simple little engraved bracelet and it says, seek the joy. And I made this bracelet at the time because I had a friend and a mentor that, I, that I've that i been working with and was working with at the time who said, quite honestly, Sydney, you have no joy in your life. And at the time, I remember- That's kind of interesting. Sorry to- But yeah, that's no, kind of interesting ahead. for someone to say that to you. Like, hey, you have no fun and your life is devoid of any joy. Like, <laughs> well, he meant it. <laughs> how does that feel? Really... It's literally like, <laughs> it's like in, yeah. a, in a Devil Wears Prada where she's like, you have no taste. That was not an opinion. <laughs> and you're just like, I don't know oh what to do. Well, totally. Because in the moment, I remember looking at him and going, this man's crazy. Because A- you know, you okay, I think you really want people in your life who are going to tell it to you straight. And if you're suffering or you're going through a difficult time or you're so stressed that you get really sick, I mean, you want somebody, I think, at least I do, who will sit you down and say, listen, I really care about you. I really care about your well-being. You need to do something to shake it up because you don't have any joy. Yeah. I mean, I, I literally was not doing anything for fun. And it was also because I didn't know what joy was for me. I didn't mm. know what was fun for me. And so, yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, in the moment, it took me took me aback a little bit. But he is somebody who's been sort of a mentor for me and that I've worked with really closely. And so at the time, it didn't feel like insulted. Okay. It didn't Do you feel know like I mean? someone like, like blowtorched your whole body and then ripped off all your right. skin and then was like, right. hey, let's go swimming. <laughs> there were there were no ma- major um, Miranda Priestley vibes in that moment, okay. I will say. So <laughs> so I being me, I'm always looking for permanent reminders of, of things that are important to me or that I want to remember. And so I made this bracelet. I used this company. I made the bracelet. I've kept it with me ever since. So to bring this story <laughs> full circle, I came across the bracelet in in September um, and thought, oh my gosh, let's have, let's build a community and start a conversation about seeking joy. And what does that look like for different people? And I would say in the last, because right now when we're recording this, it's about five months. I would say in the last five months, the podcast and its message has evolved from just being about joy to being about empowerment, mm. vulnerability, having the courage to step into your vulnerability, having the courage to step into your voice and to really own um, who you are. And who knows what it will evolve into in another five months. Um, but that's really where it started. And I'm, I'm just really excited about it. Yeah, no, I'm excited about it too. Um, I think it's one of those things that's really interesting, right? Like once we, you said a couple of things in the beginning that I think are really interesting, how you weren't creative and you hadn't let yourself be creative for a long time. And Mm -hmm. I have all these theories, right? That like everyone's creative. We get hung up on technique, which is a specific set of rules or the outcome of it. But the actual process of creating is this human, like, you know, base level thing. Um, so that's amazing. And when you're talking about what is the joy, what is the joy for you? Um, okay. So before I answer that question, I want to say something too about Mm. what you just said about being creative. It just occurred to me too, is that I've actually always been creative growing up. Um, I always painted and drew and, um, was really involved in art growing up and to the point where my art teacher in elementary school would submit my paintings to, um, the LA County fair at the time and you would get prizes or maybe you wouldn't or whatever. I grew up in Southern California. Do you remember remember that? that? Totally. Yeah, and they so like, print I w- them in the newspaper or something. Oh, yeah. And you get these little like mm, yeah. um, certificate awards, certificates, ribbons, whatever. So I have always 
been creative and I love to express myself. But I did find as you get deeper into college, deeper into post-grad, law school, whatever, you lose it. And so so that I just wanted to, I agreed, I basically am agreeing with what you just said about it is really just about being human and um, expressing yourself that way. So then going to your other question, which about what is joy for me now, I've really found that joy is the process of connecting and the process mm-hmm. of meeting new people and learning about them and then finding the things that resonate about them for yourself so when you and I first connected I mean your energy is so contagious and I love you're welcome (laughs) and I love even though we spoke the other day only for a couple minutes I loved chatting with you and so for me that like felt very joyful and it set me up for a really positive day so that's sort of for me what joy has sort of started to to become and it's also for me too about letting my um, imagination run wild. So what I have a tendency to do is, is when I'm very stressed and nervous or worried, and I'm sure so many people can relate to this, but when you feel that way, it's very hard to think about the positives in the future, right? It's hard to think about the things that you, that might be coming up for you that you're excited about because you're so focused on the stressor, you know, in that present moment. And I found for myself, the more I let myself dream, the more I let myself think about, you know, this trip that I really want to take to um, to England and the English countryside. And um, I love period. I love period pieces. Right now, I'm almost finished um, binging Downton Abbey. Like this is the stuff that I love. So the more I let myself think about those things and dream and plot and plan, you know, I feel more energized and more joyful. So before I used to think joy was in those material things, you know, like, um, sure, you can have a lot of joy by going out and spending money or um, going to a movie or a nice meal. And I'm not taking away, you know, the credibility or the validity of um, those things. But I found for myself, it's really in those moments where I'm letting myself dream big and let, letting that kind of creativity show itself. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah, I think a lot of that, like, pure human happiness comes from that place where we just let ourselves be our human, weird, creative, amazing selves. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And human beings, we are not all alike. You know, we are dynamic and interesting and we have bizarre interests. I mean, I play (laughs) bridge. I don't admit this to a lot of people. I play bridge. Like the card game. Like I'm upset. I geek out. Um, But, you know, like we all have things that bring us that moment of connection to ourselves, to other people. So I love that you said that. Um, Yeah. And I think in terms of the podcast, you have created a community where people are sharing that joy and delving into that. And I think now, you know, in maybe the last like, I don't know, like six or seven years, um, the mainstream has kind of caught up a little bit more to, I think, exactly what you said, that things are not like the the physical, like creature comforts, right? Like mm-hmm. fancy things or fancy. I mean, I love a good fancy meal. Who doesn't? <laughs> right. I mean, no harm in enjoying that. No I harm think in enjoying that. That's really important too. But yeah. it's really not about where you go for the fancy meal. It's about who you go with. Oh um, my gosh. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's so, you're so spot on when it comes to... Um, the fact that we're all kind of, and I think 
a large percentage, or maybe just my Instagram feed, of people um, has really started to feel what that's like and to let go of the having and embrace more of the being and the doing. Oh my gosh, yes. And what I love so much too about everything that you just said is that especially with a, a medium like so, like uh, Instagram and on social media in general, you really have the choice to surround yourself or put on your feed, you know, the people that really embody that um, awareness and, you know, the focus on being who you are and being vulnerable and being real. I mean, I don't follow anybody that photoshops their images. I don't follow anybody um, that is, you know, putting up an image of who they are that isn't real and authentic because it doesn't, you know, resonate with me and with who I am and what, what I'm about. And so I love what you said, you know, just about you really people are sort of starting to step into that emphasis on being rather than, you know, looking outside of themselves for um, those comforts or that validation. And um, yeah, sure, I live in a bubble, maybe, you know, you, because it's what I choose to surround myself with. But I've really found, you know, especially when you're, and I'm sure you can relate to this too, when you're creating a podcast or a blog or anything where you're putting a message out there, you really want to make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people who support you and support your message and want to be part of it. And yeah, it takes some time to find those people and to maybe completely attract, you know, the type of engagement or audience that you want or that you desire. But it's so important to make sure you're surrounding yourself, I think, um, just with those people who are really kind of feeling your vibe, right? And then yeah, also totally. you know, I mean, putting, you're, putting you're that out audience, there too. Your cheerleaders, exactly. And I think a lot of the time we feel pressure to be everything to everyone, right? Like our mm-hmm. one little slice of like, hey, this is my magic. And we're like, it, it, and you want it to apply to everyone and everything. And it sometimes just isn't for everyone and everything. It's for a specific audience. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about more about the law, the law, the law. and your process <laughs> of um, becoming a lawyer. Congratulations. You put, so for Thank those you. of you in Commonwealth countries, though, real quickly, oh, I yes. didn't realize this until I lived in other countries. In the United States, you go to law school and then you study a lot and then you take a test. And when you pass the test, you get your certification <laughs> as a lawyer. It's called the bar, the bar exam. Yes. And the bar is like the, the it's like the organization that certifies lawyers um and like legal stuff so but in other countries there's there's a process that's a little bit different so for my australian and english and new zealand little humans um it's called articling so it's different like and canadians also i think it's you go through a longer process you have to be with a firm and you have to submit articles it's it's very different um but you pass the california bar congratulations and thank you um I want to talk a little bit about the juxtaposition between this like linear analytical path and how that has really um, shaped and really made room for the joy and seek the joy and um, how you have curated this community. Oh my gosh. So I love this question because I think without the experiences I've had that are so academically focused and require so much analytical thinking and research and writing and 
oral advocacy skills. I mean, without all of all of that and that background, I don't know if I would have had um, the guts, the chutzpah to really um, dive into creating a, po- a podcast. And so my answer to your question, I think, is twofold. On one hand, I think I was really craving that creative outlet, that opportunity to connect with people who um, I feel like are like me, who align with my values and what's important to me and what I'm interested in and this sort of journey of personal growth and personal development that I'm on. And on the other hand, I also, um, I needed a break in general from what I had been doing. So I graduated from law school in, I guess it was two years, yeah, 2016. And I sat for the California bar exam for the first time that summer. So July of 2016. And two months before I graduated, I actually had shingles. And so um, I'm sure you you know what shingles are, but real quick, it's like the chicken pox, but returned worse. Is that kind of? Yes. So it's like the chicken pox, but more concentrated sort of like in one area of your body if you're lucky (laughs) and it hurts like a mother effer and it's so inflamed and I'm like I don't want to get too graphic but let me just no this is stay wild we're here to be wild (laughs) no I've heard that like because once you have the chicken pox as a small child right apparently the virus stays in your body yes and it's dormant and then if you're like really really stressed or it happens to a lot of Mm -hmm. seniors or elderly people it can come out (laughs) so you must have been really stressed so let so let me just say I I like one so so it's not only physically uncomfortable because like I had it on my back and I couldn't reach it, you couldn't reach which is it. which is great because you don't want to scratch this kind of stuff, right? So, but not only that, I was so fatigued I couldn't even walk a block because of the virus and the whole thing that was in my body. And I went to the dermatologist and he, in I've known him my whole life, and he looks at me and he goes, "What have you been putting yourself through <laughs> that you at 25 at the time have shingles?" And so yes, you're totally right. It comes, it lays dormant in your body. It comes out when you're so stressed, like psycho stressed, yeah. which was me. Like literally um, your eye is twitching and you're like, what? No, what? but seriously, yeah. I, I like, I was that person like whose eye was twitching. Um, I mean, I was coming up on graduating from law school. I didn't know exactly what I was going to do post bar. I had severe panic and anxiety surrounding the bar exam. I was heavily involved in school. Um, I was competing in competitions for um, moot court, which is appellate advocacy. I, I was doing everything. I was crazy. And so I have shingles. I recover somewhat, right? The shingles are actually gone, but the virus is still in my body. And I graduate from law school. I sit for the bar exam the first time. And I would just like to add just like a testament to how crazy I was. I was so afraid of the bar and so afraid of the exam because at the time in California, it was a three-day exam. So the first day is strictly writing. The second day is the um, MBE, which is the multiple choice. And then the third day is another round of writing. So by the end of it, you've written six essays, you've answered 200 multiple choice questions, and you've done two three-hour performance exams, which means they give you all the material, they give you um, the law, and you've got to write a memo or whatever whatever they ask for. So I, I go through the bar. I was studying 14 hours a day. I wasn't leaving my apartment. I was ordering food for like every meal because I was terrified to leave because I thought, oh my God, if I'm not studying like every moment, like I'm going to lose something. I'm not going to remember. I mean, 
this is like mental torture. I come out of the bar. I mean, like, wow. Okay. Not healthy. And not to say everybody has this experience, but but it's common. I I have some lawyer friends. It's very common. Right. In the United States, you know, with with exam based results, you know, you work very, very hard and you have to study for a very long time for this like one moment or like, you know, this short, short period of time. Right. It's not like, and when you're actually doing the work as a lawyer, when you're lawyering, you know, it's interesting because you're not, it's not one big exam. It's a process. So it, it's a little bit unrealistic in terms of the actual way that law is practiced. So, it, oh, right. Yeah. And it's interesting because there's so much pressure and, you know, everything's writing on this one thing. It's like, it's not, it's not healthy or normal. No. It's not because when you're practicing, you have access to the law. You have access to the material. You have a supervisor, a supervising attorney, a boss, um, coworkers who you can, you know, who may be more experienced than you, who you can bounce um, ideas off of or the law after off of or, you know, get their opinion. And when you're studying for the bar, I mean, it's it's all about how much material you can cram into your brain in a 10-week period for a three-day exam in California. And for the rest of the country, it's a day and a half or two days. Um, So I come out of the bar the first time. I'm like so depleted. I'm so fatigued. Um, I felt like, like I felt like I had the flu. Um, About a month and a half later, um, I have appendicitis. I have to get my appendix removed. Oh my gosh. uh, Because I had literally put my body through hell. And me being stubborn, I'll just share this story. I like had three days of like intense pain in like the area where your appendix is (laughs) in your body. And I was like, (laughs) and I was like, oh, it's okay. It must be a stomach cramp. It's fine. Maybe I have a stomach bug. I woke up at two o'clock in the morning one day and was like, could not physically move. I was in so much pain. Mm. But me being me was like, oh, I'll just go to urgent care in the morning when everything is open. Like, no, I should have gone to the emergency room. So um, what's funny too is when we were in, my mom and I went to the emergency room and we were trying to bargain with the doctor like to let me go home (laughs) to not have the surgery because we were just so in denial. It was like, oh no, it's okay. We'll just consult with like our doctor. I don't have like like at the time I didn't have like a like a doctor that was like my doctor I would go to every year for a physical it's not like I had this person I could just go consult but we were saying to the surgeon oh we'll just go and consult and figure it out and we don't she doesn't have to get her appendix removed and he looked at me and he goes Sydney your appendix is so inflamed and it's so bad that if we wait any longer, it's going to rupture. And if it ruptures, it's going to be a hell of a lot worse. So I really highly recommend that you have your yeah. appendix out. So just a <laughs> and you were like, oh no, this is inconvenient. <laughs> I, I was scared. I was really scared. Yeah. And I've had surgery before in my life, but when I've had that surgery, it was you know, time to mentally prepare yourself, you know, and with this, I had no time and I had no opportunity and I was so scared. I was hysterically crying in the emergency room. They didn't even have a room for me. I was on this like little like bed cart thing in the hallway. You were on a gurney in the hallway. You were on a hallway gurney. I was. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. Let's just do it. Get it over with. And it ended up being fine, obviously. Right. And so that sort of put me on this track of then you have to heal. And I was not healing quickly. It was taking um, like physically like my this the scarring and everything all that was fine but the aftermath of 
what I had put myself through. Your body, between, yeah. My body was like screaming at me and I've never looked physically worse in my whole life. I mean, when you're sick, there's something wrong with your organs. You start to see it in your skin color, in yeah, your face. You look kind of like pale and gray, I think. I literally do not. I look like a version of myself I've never seen before. So um, it took me down this path and come December, no, come November of that same year of 2016, I started going to a naturopath and um, we did a bunch of testing and she was like, um, your body is in such bad shape. Your organs are, your gallbladder, you are on the verge of ulcers. Uh, your gut is like so messed up. And I don't know about you, but I feel like living in the United States with the food that we're exposed oh my to, gosh. The contaminants in the air. Oh my your, gosh. Your body takes a huge beating. Well, I do have to say though, I, I mean, I live in Asia, but the part of the United States, when I visit, I visit about once a year because mm -hmm. yeah. there's things that I don't get. I go really hard. And one of, one of the things that I really love that is horrible for you I love coffee creamer. We don't have it. <laughs> we don't have it in the rice fields of Bali. And literally this morning, I'm like, almond pecan praline coffee creamer. Yes, please. Like, right? This, humans are not made for this stuff. We're made for like green leafy vegetables. <laughs> yeah. And I was just, I had, I just, and it also was the entire lifetime of being on antibiotics mm. because um, as a kid, I would have four to five, maybe six sinus infections a year and they would always treat me with an antibiotic. And the more antibiotics you take, it takes a toll on your gut and the lining and long story short, it's just really not good. And so I started working with this doctor and we were working on my gut and we've been working on my hormones. And I guess a little over a year later, I'm a lot healthier. I'm in a lot better physical shape that way. Um, you know, it, you just notice such a huge, huge difference. But going through that experience and being very sick and even after, um, even before I started working with this doctor, I mean, I could not exercise. I could not walk like a couple of blocks without feeling like it was time to take a nap. I was sleeping in the afternoon because my body was just so off kilter. And so going through that process really showed me a couple of things. One, being so neurotic and crazy and psycho about school and the bar and all that stuff was not serving me at all. In fact, it was making me sick. Mm. Two, I had no balance. I was such a workaholic and such a, but it came out of fear and anxiety, not because I loved what I was doing. It was more like this pressure to perform, this pressure to succeed. And it to wasn't perfect. Me. Yeah. Yeah. And I've always been a perfectionist because I had always defined who Sydney was, who I was based on how I was performing academically. I was always the person in the honors classes, in the advanced accelerated whatever AP stuff in high yeah. school. It's I interesting how in the United States yeah. we, we attach to that, right? Like in other countries, you it's do. like, oh, you took a class. In the United States, it's like, this is who I am. <laughs> totally. And it had a lot to do with the fact, too, that I wasn't comfortable in my own skin. Mm. I wasn't comfortable with um, being Sydney. And that meant I've always been 
um, heavier maybe than other girls my age or um, had difficulty with friends or um, growing up I was bullied a lot on the playground and so I had difficulty trusting people especially um, trusting people who I thought were my friends and so mm. it's this whole lifetime of conditioning right of how yeah. you view yourself and how you view the world views you and so you look for something to attach yourself to to define yourself because you're not comfortable with the other um, labels that might be attached to you. And so for me, it became school. I threw myself into performing in school, I into what college I got to, into where I graduated, going to law school, the whole thing. And so going through this process of being sick and getting better and having moments where I still am not well and then other moments where my health is, you know, returning, um, has really shown me you've got to stop defining yourself based on the external. And it has to be more about the internal and who you are. And what's so amazing about this journey is you start to really understand who you are and love yourself for it. And what I've loved is I'm learning more about astrology and um, about just the universe in general and practicing uh, kundalini yoga and just doing things where I feel more connected to who I am and I have an understanding and, okay, maybe I am this way because of where my, you know, my rising sign is or my moon sign as opposed to someone else telling me, oh, you're just crazy. You know what I mean? Like you start yeah, absolutely. to and I think these it, understandings. Absolutely. And I think it's one of those things where we, uh, in the West especially, we don't let ourselves embrace the full spectrum of human variation. Um, I also grew up in Southern California um, in a suburb of Los Angeles, and I didn't make my music until after I moved abroad to a very s small town in South Korea and started mm -hmm. writing songs because I, when I grew up, I thought you had to look like Taylor Swift to sing. Oh. And it was like yeah. a weird warped belief. Like it wasn't like there's Adele and there's like, you know, like Patti LaBelle and Dolly. Mm -hmm. Like there's lots of different people in the world and they look different. And when you sing, it has absolutely nothing to do with how you look. But for some reason, you know, I think a lot of us pick up things that maybe aren't about us or that aren't serving us and really sometimes aren't real. Oh, yeah. And I agree with that. And you pick up those things and then you allow it to define who you are and your self-worth. And then yes. it, you start oh to feel like gosh. it's you start to feel like it's reinforced by the interactions around you. Right. And, yeah. and then, like, you know, literally, because we create our own realities. Right. Uh -huh, so 100%. If we start feeling like like if I start feeling because I, you know, I'm not a size two that I can't sing, then that thought is going to be reflected in my behavior and my beliefs. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've said, oh, I can't go to this thing or I can't do this thing because my clothes don't fit or I feel uncomfortable in my mm -hmm. body or I have this like massive acne breakout or, you know, you just come up with excuses or reasons, you know, based on how you are in that moment defining your self-worth. And it's also a reflection, too, of where you're at with your own self-love. And so, yeah, and I just love is hard, man. It is some deep, hard work. It's literally it is like, not easy. Let me tell you. <laughs> no, no. It's, not. it's it's really rough. And I will say, you know, um, 
I have gone through a lifetime. I mean, I'm only 27, but for me, it feels like a lifetime of um, lessons and learning and going through therapy and working, you know, with other um, mentors or people who can really help me to heal. And um, what I've really found interesting is you can have someone in your life who gives you the best advice or hears you out or, you know, says, I hear you. I see you. I acknowledge you. I've been there. And all of that is really wonderful and special and, and important. But until you decide to believe it for yourself and start to see, hear, and acknowledge yourself and put, decide for yourself that you're going to move forward the way and live the life that you want to live, I mean, it doesn't matter how many times someone else says it to you. And so it, for me personally, it's been a journey of getting to that space where I start to really see, hear, and acknowledge myself. Yeah. And I went through two decades, if not more, of not doing that. And because I wasn't hearing myself or seeing myself for who I really am, you know, you start to let your emotions and um, relationships sort of suffer because you're you're not really in touch or in tune with what's going on with you. And so I don't remember how we got to this space. I don't remember what we were, what your question was. No, no, I love it. um, We we like to let things flow with Stay Wild. Okay, perfect. It's really interesting. I think, you know, once we, it's once we actually listen to ourselves, because we can't like, you know, I've noticed that the relationships we have, the projects we want to put out there, even our daily lives, we're not going to be able to show up until we show up for ourselves. Oh my gosh, 100%. And for me, that's really been a core value for the podcast is this Mm. emphasis on showing up for yourself. And I think it goes back to what I was just saying before too about really seeing, feeling, hearing, and acknowledging yourself. Because in doing that, you are showing up for yourself and you are taking the initiative and you are you know, starting that process or really diving into that process of being who you are and owning it and not allowing, you know, someone else's fear or judgment or um, anger or whatever it might be to sort of get in your get in your way. And the more that we show up for ourselves, too, I really believe we can start to all move into a deeper space of of having courage to show up because if you see someone else around you doing it it makes you feel like I can do it too but if you're existing on an island and everyone else around you is like burying their heads in the sand and they don't want part of this sort of movement into vulnerability and into courage it's it's going to be harder for you to do it and so I think by showing up for yourself in in whatever moment it is, it sort of sets the example for someone else and then they feel compelled to do it too. And before you know it, you've got this ripple effect, this domino effect of people around the world deciding to stand up and stand tall in their truth and show up for themselves and own it. And I just see it becoming like this big positive movement that's sort of unstoppable and not to say it's just my podcast or just me doing that I think you're definitely doing that I know a handful of other people in this space or around the world who are doing that too and I just think it takes more people speaking up and and taking ownership and wanting to do that yeah absolutely and you know I love what you said about um, stepping into your truth what are some tools that you have found or created uh, that help you 
tune in to how you, how we, you know, how you actually feel in the moment, um, and, and getting into that place of authenticity with ourselves. This is a really good question. And I will be honest and say that it's something that's still a work in progress for me. Oh, totally. I have, I totally. have moments it's during always, the day. Oh my human. gosh, yes. I'm going to be I 99 mo- and I'm still going to be like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, What's going to work? 120, seriously. Because um, I really do think we're all going to start living a hell of a lot longer. But I digress. Um, for me, it's still definitely obviously a work in progress. And for it's really meant... Um, becoming more in touch with my emotions. So growing up, my default was anger um, because I wasn't really willing to feel the emotions that sort of um, lead to anger or that are buried beneath anger, like sadness, um, being vulnerable, accepting, you know, disappointment. And so my default was always anger, to be angry, to sort of be like... um, the Tasmanian devil in a way, mm. just like a, not that I was like the Tasmanian devil, but like just sort of once you start entering that angry zone, you start a, you sort of start spiraling and yeah, you only uh, see red it, and then it's you just only like see you attack red. everything. Yeah. Yeah. And so as I started to have the willingness and the courage and the wanting to feel and experience those mo- emotions that are underneath, um, that was really when I started to break through and sort of crack open and the default was no longer anger right now the default is tears Mm -hmm. and I always say this I'd much rather cry and feel a, a feeling of sadness or disappointment or fear or whatever it might be rather than to allow my adrenaline you know to kick into high gear and to get angry and raging and whatever whatever it might be um and so for me it's really taken this willingness to want to feel feel it all you know and really sit with it and not to sit with it to the point where you're um marinating in it so for me it it can be slippery like a slippery slope i have to then um interrupt it and so interrupting it means talking to somebody about something else or talking about whatever is going on or, uh, you know, going on a walk, being in nature. I love the ocean. So it's meant going down to the beach, just doing things where you can then interrupt it so that you're able to then um, keep going and keep being keep being who you are in that moment. So being authentic has really meant um, a willingness to feel it all for me. In terms of tips, I would say the biggest thing that I've gathered from the people that I've spoken to in the last five months is that for them, being authentic means being exactly who they are without apology. So if you're a really positive, upbeat person, don't apologize for it. Embrace it, own it, and and find people and surround yourself with people who are going to honor that optimism and that positive positivity. If you're somebody who really loves going to the movies, then make sure you schedule whatever it is that makes you happy if it's going to the movies. Make sure you schedule it, you know, that you do it once a week so that you're making sure that you're doing the things um, that really bring you joy and, and making time for it. Because I think especially in this Western world that I live in and, you know, when I'm sure you notice this too when you come to the States, and I'm sure this has to be true too for other countries around the world too, but Everything is so fast paced and it's about go, go, go and accomplishing results and um, making money 
in a way that you're hustling for it as opposed to letting it flow. And you're just, people are exhausted. I mean, so much adrenal fatigue everywhere. Yeah, adrenal fatigue. That yeah. is, oh my goodness! And Which for those has of you listening, my middle name, yeah. Okay, so for those of you listening who aren't um, who aren't too familiar, I believe adrenal fatigue is when you've been going in that fight or flight for so long that your body mm-hmm. is just like no. Yeah, your body literally gets to a space where it's so drained, your adrenals um, are so drained and fatigued that you're exhausted. I mean, and like doing things that normally wouldn't make you tired are just so difficult. Yeah, and it's interesting though because in the modern world, and I think I've mentioned this on an earlier episode of the podcast, when we're stressed, our body doesn't understand the difference between like, oh, an expense report's due or like, oh, a giant bear is chasing us. Right. (laughs) Because we still have caveman hardware. Um, Oh my gosh, yeah. I I have been operating most of my life um, as if I'm being like attacked by a lion or I'm like running for my life, you know? It it is that fight or flight 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you said about feeling your feelings. Um, Mm -hmm. It's very interesting, you know, being in the United States that we're recording this from, I think Sydney's in LA. I'm in Ashland visiting some family and we're going to air it when... I'm back in Bali. So um, it's one of those things where being here, there is a pressure. You see it on social media. You see it when you talk to people. And all of my friends from other places, you know, they say when you ask an American, how are you? It's always great. You know, Mm -hmm. even if there's like tears, like kind of welling up in your eyes and you're like, you're just like, oh, I'm so great. Because there is, I I, I don't know if it's a cultural thing. I don't know if it's pressure, but there is a a trend or a I don't even know if it's a trend. It's just how things are to be like to be happy all the time. And sometimes like it's great. And I think happiness and joy are something we absolutely need to seek and value in our lives. But if we're feeling like poo, let's just acknowledge (laughs) it, right? Because until we acknowledge it, we can't change the feeling. So what I find really interesting about all of that, too, because, of course, it's something that I see and recognize and have been that person, too. And often with some people in my life, I still am that person, because I think if you're honest and someone says, how are you? And say, you know what? I'm having a really bad day. I think a couple of things happen. One, I think people feel fear that by putting their real emotion out there that it's going to be met with judgment as opposed to empathy. And so a lot of us, I think, retreat into this, oh, I'm fine. I'm great. I've never been better when it's all a lie. Never been better. Yeah, totally. Because you don't want to be judged or you don't want to enter into that real heartfelt Mm. conversation where then you need to discuss, you know, what you're really feeling. On the other hand, too, I think the person on the receiving end. So let's say you're the person that says, how are you? And someone says, I'm having a really bad day. I think it makes us nervous. The other person who's asked, how are you? I think it makes you nervous. Like, oh my gosh. Okay. Well then what do I say? Like, I'm so sorry. Or do you ask them what happened? I think it, it brings about an uncomfortable dialogue because it's not something that we are used to engaging in. I've had people who have been friends of mine for maybe a decade, where it's been so difficult to ever have a real deep, honest conversation with them because they're never real or honest about what's going on in their life. They want it to be, you know, the sunshine and rainbows and I'm walking through a field of sunflowers all the time. And then you have people in your life who you have a different connection with who are much more willing to be vulnerable that way. And so 
I've also found for myself that as I've evolved, you know, the people who, and I'm sure you feel this way too, the people you have relationships with or the people that you're surrounded by, um, they start to shift too. So for me, it's very interesting to look at um, the people and the interactions that I've had in my life sort of based on where I've been, you know, emotionally with myself. No, it's Um, it's very interesting. I was just talking to a friend of mine who's a coach about this. And um, when we level up, right, when we choose something different, some of our friendships will also meet us there. And some, you know, mm-hmm. you love them just the same. You don't stop loving them, but you're just in a different place. So it looks oh, like Oh, I love different. that. Leveling up. Oh, my gosh. It's so true. That's such a perfect way to put it. Yeah. Leveling up. All right. Well, we are here with Sydney Weiss, lawyer, podcaster, seeker of the joy. We're going to take a short break and then we'll be back. Today's show is brought to you by me, Norma Jean. I'm a singer, songwriter, daily doodler, creative workshop holder, and co-host of Camp Clarity. It's a seven-day incredible experience for women in Bali, luxury villa, authentic Balinese experiences, sound healing, breath work, sisterhood, and workshops on leadership, self-care, and how to get the most out of our lives. To check it out, head over to joincampclarity.com. That's www.joincampclarity.com. As usual, if you're digging the show, please check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Write us a review in the iTunes or Apple Podcast Store as it really helps other people find the show. And back to Sydney. All right, little humans, we are back with Sydney Weiss, lawyer, podcaster, seeker of the joy. Welcome back, Sydney. Hello, I'm so happy to be here. So before the break, we were talking about um, when we choose joy, what happens, things that come into our lives, things that leave our lives. Um, And I want to talk a little bit about what has changed for you, not just in terms of the project Seek the Joy, the podcast, which, you know, I'm an uber fan of, like, Seek the Joy. Thank you. Thank Um, you. But also in terms of once we start making those changes toward creative empowerment, toward um, our own authenticity with ourselves, toward that vulnerability um, and the strength that comes from it, what has changed in your like day-to-day life? I think the biggest thing that's changed is I no longer feel so alone. Mm. So when I put out my first couple episodes for the podcast, I had a lot of fear and anxiety. Yeah, totally. And it was mostly like judge, fear of judgment, but also this fear of would anyone else resonate? And then also would anybody listen <laughs> outside yeah. of like my mom and my dad and, and my closest friends? And so for me, what really has changed is this knowing and this understanding that I'm not alone. And I'll never forget the first person that sent me a direct uh, message on Instagram and said something like, hey, I just want to let you know I found your podcast. I really enjoy listening to it. The messages really resonate with me. This is my experience. And then they shared about them. And it really struck me because here was a stranger who doesn't know me. But so this was the first not, non-friend person. First non-friend. First, I guess, stranger at the time. Fan? Um, member? 
seeker seeker of the joy we'll go with I that think yes. a fellow seeker of the joy right yes. um and so this was somebody i hadn't i didn't know and they were open and honest about their own experience and then also felt a connection to me and the message that I was putting out there. And as that continued to happen, and I started to hear that from more people, and I had people who reached out to me about maybe wanting to come on the podcast or just share about who they are. And the as that evolved and changed, um, I started to feel more confident in my voice and in my growth. And so that has been the biggest change, has been that confidence in my own voice and then also this feeling of that I'm not alone. And I love what you said in your question about creative empowerment, because a lot of what I have been working on for myself is that feeling of empowerment, but it hasn't been focused directly or purposefully on that creative empowerment. And so when you said that, it really struck a chord with me, because that is really what this is. It really is that creative empowerment. And it's also about that empowerment to step in to who you really are, which we were talking about much earlier. So I think that is the biggest, the biggest change for me. Definitely. Yeah. I think it's, it's one of those things where, you know, and I've personally experienced it with my music, with my cartoons, with my podcast, stay wild, which you guys are listening to. Um, but it's one of those things where when we want something that doesn't exist yet, sometimes we have to create the things we want to be part of. And mm-hmm. then when other people become part of them, it's so, it, it, I mean, it's it it's joyful because not only is it it's something that we love to do, that we're passionate about, but that other people see that and they resonate with it. Oh, absolutely. And I love what you just said about creating the things that we want to be part of because this was really the first time in my life that I created something for myself from the ground up by myself. So mm. I don't have a team. I don't have anybody that helps me. I do everything. And so it is super time consuming. And I know you can relate to this. And oh, yeah. um, But it's been the biggest joy in the last five, six months, whatever it's been, to really create this because this is what I want to be part of. And this is the other thing too, and I don't know if I said this earlier, but this podcast is really a reflection of me and it's really a reflection of what I'm passionate about. And yes, there's the law and I am, I love that. And I'm so grateful that I went to law school and had that experience because it's really set me up to do what it is that I want to do with my career that way in terms of the law. But it's also really set me up for this really creative endeavor that I'm really, I'm really passionate about. So when I started, I really wanted to make sure that what I was creating reflected me and reflected who I really am. And I will say too, with as much support as I've had, I've also had some people in my life who I know, and then also people who are strangers to me who have reached out and said some not so nice things and who have questioned um, my authenticity and my creativity and my integrity. And that has been a real opportunity for me to, just like we were talking about earlier, really stand tall in my truth and really stand tall in who I am. Because when you are stepping out and doing something new or different for the first time that you're passionate about, you're going to be met with um, some adversity, I think, along the way. And for all of us, it looks different. But 
it, it, for me, it has served as a test to really say, hey, do you really believe what you're doing? Do you really believe in what you're doing? Do you really love what you're doing? Yes, yes, and yes. Okay, you stand tall in that and you trust it and mm. you just keep doing what you're doing. So absolutely, I, I think I, that too is something that has changed for me is that willingness and that um, courage to say, this is who I am and I'm passionate about this project. And if it doesn't align with you, that's okay. You don't have to listen. You know, you don't have to follow um, what I'm doing. But it, it's been a really, it's been a ride with a lot of lessons and uh, I'm grateful for them all. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I mean, further on that note, you know, I think a lot of the time, you know, we, there's this movie thing, right? You know, where we think like, okay, well, we've made the choice and then we step forward and then the universe aligns, then we never have to worry again, right? Mm -hmm. But, it, you know, there's this very great quote on enlightenment where it says, you know, um, like get water from the well and, and build the fire before enlightenment, get water from the well and build the fire after enlightenment. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I, I think that's, it's one of those things where we're still human, right. And we're here on the planet to do whatever it is that we're, you know, meant to do. And so I think a lot of the time we have to stand, stand in that truth. And it is reaffirming, I think in a lot of ways, um, because when we, when we, sorry, I just lost my woo, but I, I, think, okay. I think it's one of those things where when we stand in that truth, you know, every time we say yes, we recommit to that dream. We recommit to our project and it makes us even more dedicated and inspired to keep going. Uh, oh my gosh, 100%. And about that recommitment too. I mean, anytime I've ever been met with um, a moment where my, what I'm doing has been questioned either by someone else or, or by me because part of this has been too is it's been a lot of at night I'll start to think oh my gosh am I doing the right thing am I putting too oh, yeah. much out there it's like after um, you go to sleep and you're like in bed by yourself and the lights are off and you're like what, is yeah, what am I doing yeah. with my life <laughs> yeah and um, I started something new in January it's called um, the power of storytelling and it's a storytelling series where um, people who want to share their story, send in their story, either an audio file or the actual story, and I'll read it. Um, but it's I put them all together, and it's just released as an episode with people sharing their stories, sort of um, uninterrupted and in their words. And the mission behind that was really to help others sort of own their voice and own their story and own their truth and and provide them the platform to do so. And when I was getting ready to announce that this was something I wanted to do and add to the podcast, I did not sleep like for a couple of nights beforehand because I was so worried, oh my God, is is this going to work? Are people going to want to be part of it? Mm. am I going to like put something out there and then not have anything, you know, to publish right. and share your stories, but there's no stories. Right. Right. So you get, you start to, your mind starts to spin, mm. um, out of control. And to my, um, really, to be honest, to my surprise, um, I was like flooded with people who were excited to be part of it and people who, um, you know, I had too many people at one point. I had to say, oh, my gosh, well, can we do you for the next one? Because I don't want it to be a three hour episode. You know what I mean? So um, yeah. it was a real surprise and it was really um, a powerful moment for me and also for those who were involved in that episode, um, because you the more you're kind of 
recommit to your own story and recommit to your own truth and your own journey, um, I don't know, I just really think some magic, you know, starts to happen and you have to keep working on it. And I'm really honored to share these stories, either in my, you know, typical Tuesday interview style episode or in this power of storytelling series that comes out once a month. But uh, it it's been really special for me to to give others that space or create that space rather mm. um, to share. And um, the stories are so courageous. I mean, the ones that are coming out. Uh, so you and I are recording in February right now. So the ones that will come out for this month that people can listen to, um, they brought me to tears, to be honest, because they are so honest and vulnerable and raw and just the willingness to put yourself out there in the hopes, really, that the message might resonate with someone else um, is so healing and and so powerful and I don't know how I got to this part of explaining the storytelling. No, I mean that's you, I mean that's pretty much why really we're incredible. here, right? Yeah. I think we're here to create and be our most human selves. And when that resonates with someone else, you know, I always tell people when I'm running creative workshops or anything like that, I always tell people sometimes the things we create are just for us, mm-hmm. and sometimes they're for us and other people, and sometimes they're for people who we may not even ever know about, even. Um, And we just have to trust that that's what's supposed to happen. Yeah. And it has such a healing effect, you know, when you do create those things um, and you put it out there and you may not know you're creating it for yourself, but it goes exactly back to what you were just saying earlier. You know, we create what we want to be a part of. Yeah. And often that creation uh, ends up just really being there to heal ourselves. And um, I couldn't agree more. Oh. Cool. Well, Sid, Sydney Wise, lawyer, podcaster, seeker of the joy. Thank you so much for coming on Stay Wild. And where can people find the podcast? We have seekthejoypodcast.com. It's on iTunes. Yes. So first of all, thank you so much for having me on Stay Wild. Um, This has been probably uh, one of my favorite, most honest conversations that I've had. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to share a little bit more about me and uh, my journey to getting to where I am right now. And you can find um, the podcast, just like you said, at seekthejoypodcast.com. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, TuneIn. I mean, literally anywhere you can find us. but I also have a great link on my website to where you can find everything. And then also we are on um, Instagram at seek the joy pod underscore and then Facebook seek the joy podcast. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Sydney. Thank you, Norma Jean. All right, little humans, big thanks to Sid for coming on the show. Here's today's toast poem written by me, yours truly. Um, And it's a poem about, as a woman, um, loving someone else and not um, drowning in that. So um, it doesn't have a name yet, but here we go. Don't turn me into her, the woman who needs, who gives her power and forgets herself, who dives so deep into that which is you, her feet no longer touch the bottom of the pool. You're not a limitless ocean. There's only so much of you to drink up, and this thirst is terrible. It is cruel the way women love. We have little choice in the matter. Diversity, 
options, additions. Once you, it's you. We don't see any others, consider any others. Even if I wanted another, he would have your face and my body wouldn't let him in, no matter how sweet the water. That was today's toast poem. Hope you enjoyed. All right, little humans, that's today's show. Big thanks to Sydney Weiss from Seek the Joy for coming on Stay Wild and talking about her journey and how she not only seeks but finds and shares the joy with everyone around her. So thanks again, Sid, for coming on. As usual, if you're liking the show, write us a review on iTunes or the Apple Podcast Store and find us on Stitcher and SoundCloud as well. If you're thinking about coming to Bali, come for Bali Spirit Festival, April 2nd through 8th. You can use the code Stay Wild or Stay Wild Abundance for the full enchilada pass for those discounts. And if you want to come for Camp Clarity for an amazing seven days of luxury villa and authentic Balinese experiences and deep work as women, check us out at joincampclarity.com. That's www.joincampclarity.com. Until next time, little humans, stay wild. So we keep on keeping on.